Ladies, great job, great song. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, please, to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near you. It's got a hard black cover. We'll be on page 698. Malachi chapter 3, page 698. Today is our last message from a 21-message Sunday morning series called Flee from Idolatry. Next week, Lord willing anyway, we will flee to the mountains found in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the book of John. It'll be a lengthy Sunday morning series focused on great text in those three great books of God's Word. Last Sunday morning, we talked about our Creator being faithful. God is faithful. We rejoiced in the faithfulness of our Creator and Savior, and we saw that as Paul sought to correct the problems with the church in Corinth and with the carnal believers there, that he took them back to the faithfulness of God to get their focus in the right place. We talked about how it was a shame for them that because they had been unfaithful, so many people around them had failed to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about God being faithful to not allow believers to be tempted above that we're able and always makes a way to escape so that we could still stay true to Jesus. We talked about believers needing to grow to be more faithful in every area of our life, to be more like our faithful God. And we close rejoicing that Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we humbly confess them to him. As I've said for 20 weeks now in a row, Paul told the Corinthian believers, though there be many that are called gods, there is but one God. And though there is one God, the world into which Jesus sent his apostles and and us is filled with many that are called gods. When the apostles took the message of Jesus, crucified, risen, and coming again to their world, it was a world that had a pantheon of both Greek and Roman gods. And quite frankly, the people to whom the apostles spoke were not happy to have the apostles tell them that those they believed to be deity were either man-made or evil spirits posing as a god. Many living in the days of the apostles sincerely believed and followed those they called gods, but sincerely believing in Zeus or Diana did not make them a god any more than you and I believing the earth to be flat makes it anything other than a sphere which the scriptures teach and observation has confirmed. I remind you for the 21st time, it is not the sincerity of our belief that makes anything true. It is consistency with the written words of God that make things true. Your sincere beliefs, my sincere beliefs, they do not change the truth. And though there are many purposes for the Bible, the most important purpose is for God to reveal himself to mankind. You and I can look around if we are honest and look at the world around us and know for certain because of the complexity and beauty and intricate design of our creation and particular the biological world and know that it did not happen just by accident. Everything reveals the fact that there is a God and that there is a creator. But if you and I want to know what God is like, we must look in the Bible. And I hope you're not someone who has created a Jesus in your own mind instead of looking into the scriptures to find out who he really was and what he really said. Because there are so many beings that people claim to be God, 
And because of humanity's prideful tendency to create a God they like, we've spent several months together now on Sunday mornings talking about who God has revealed himself to be. I want us to learn of him so we can flee from idolatry and worship our creator in spirit and in truth. From what I understand, the Shawnee were a group of Native Americans who occupied not only places near us in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and Indiana, but also in Illinois and Tennessee. They occupied those areas prior to Europeans settling in North America. According to Shawnee legend, their grandmother, Kokamthina, created the world. And allegedly in the beginning, when there was nothing, she came down uh, from above and made a turtle. And they say then that Kokamthina next created the earth, which was allegedly supported on the back of the turtle. And in contrast to that legend is the historical account of the beginning recorded in the Bible, which says that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the Bible says that he hangeth the earth upon nothing. And that one true God who created the earth and everything that is in it and on it reveals himself as being immutable. Immutable is just a big word that means God does not change. If you're able to stand, if you would stand please this morning in honor the word of God. The title of my thought this morning is God is immutable. God is immutable. Malachi chapter 3, we're just going to read one verse together here. Malachi 3, 6 says these words, For I am the Lord, I change not. Now because God didn't change, therefore, remember we read, therefore, we ask what it's there for. Because God does not change, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Thank you, might be seated. God the Father does not change. He's immutable. He's the same today as he was a hundred years ago, the same today as he was a thousand years ago. He's the same today as he was a million years ago. His personality and character have not changed from the beginning, nor will they ever change in the future. The things that God liked and disliked in the past are the same things that God likes and dislikes today. The promises and warnings of God are just as applicable today as when he spoke them to us through holy men of God who were moved by the Holy Spirit. By the way, uh, in Malachi's time, the nation of Israel was living a long way away from Jehovah and the plan that God had for their life. But God had not destroyed them. He had disciplined them, but he had not consumed them because God doesn't change. In 1,500 years before Malachi walked the face of this globe, God had said to Abraham that there would always be a seed of his physical seed that would be around in the nation of Israel. And God did not consume them in Malachi's day because of that promise. And God has not consumed them today because of this same promise despite their rejection of God, of Christ as Messiah, and the moral attributes that our God teaches his people to live with. Listen, God was perfectly holy, righteous, just, loving, good, and merciful when he inspired Moses to pen the book of Genesis. God was perfectly holy, righteous, just, loving, good, and merciful when he inspired John to pen the book of Revelation. 
from the beginning when God created the heaven and the earth until the end when time shall be no more, God is the same. God is immutable. Someone said, God being immutable means he, he has never changed and never can change even in any small detail. To change, he would need to go from better to worse or worse to better. And God cannot do either. And since God is perfect, he cannot become more perfect. And if he were to become less than perfect, he would be less than God. You know, I think most people underestimate just how important it is and how much we rely on the fact that our Creator is immutable. He is a being who never changes. Turn next in your Bible, if you would please, to Hebrews 13. That'll be on page 891. Hebrews 13. Some people have the silly and mistaken idea that somehow the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New Testament. That's false. Very interesting how the Bible is going to describe Jesus. Oh, by the way, we sung about it this morning. Most people, uh, because you're not a Bible reader, you didn't even realize you were singing the Bible this morning. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, it says these words, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's no surprise because Jesus was God manifest in flesh. His personality and character have not changed from the days when he walked on our earth in Judea and Galilee, and they are the same today as he sits at the right hand of God the Father on the throne of the universe. The things that Jesus loves and hates today are the same things that he loved and hated in New Testament days. Hear me when I say this, when Jesus returns in power and glory to rule over earth for 1,000 years, he will be the same Jesus that he was when he ascended from the Mount of Olives just outside the city of Jerusalem a little over 2,000 years ago. It will be the same Jesus. Every promise he made is still good. Everything he wanted from his disciples then, he still wants today. And that is true because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was perfectly holy, righteous, just, loving, good, and merciful when he spoke the Sermon on the Mount, and he will be the same way when he rules this earth. Pure gold and pure platinum are the most stable of all the precious metals. Gold itself, pure gold, does not deteriorate or corrode under any normal circumstances. You can put pure gold in salt water and leave it there for centuries, and salt water does not corrode pure gold. Oxygen, water, temperature changes, and chlorine do not damage pure gold. Now, there are a lot of things that can deteriorate the metals that are put with pure gold to make uh, gold strong enough to make jewelry. There are a lot of things can deteriorate the metals that are put with gold, but pure gold itself does not deteriorate under any normal circumstances. But there is one thing that can change and deteriorate pure gold. It's a compound called aqua regia. It's a mixture of two acids. And that will dissolve 
pure gold. And though pure gold is mostly unchangeable, nothing can change or deteriorate or improve the Lord Jesus Christ. He is immutable. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. The character of Jesus is fixed, unmovable, unalterable, constant, and unchangeable. Listen, the whole idea that God in the Old Testament was holy and righteous and just, and that God in the New Testament is loving and gracious and merciful, that is a false idea. God was loving and gracious and merciful in the Old Testament. God is holy and righteous and just in the New Testament. It's simply that God manifested one part of his character more in the Old Testament and a different part of his character more in the New Testament. God is unchangeable. He is immutable. And though many never consider the immutability of our Creator's character, it is a very important quality for you and I to have peace and security in life. Have you ever paused to consider that the Lord Jesus is immutable? Have you ever paused to think about just how important that is to us today? And so what I'd like to do for a few minutes then is to make some applications and observations that are linked with this idea uh, that God is immutable. He is unchangeable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Please first go in your Bible to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Jesus came back today to America in 2023. Most people would reject him. So how do you know that? Because people haven't changed and he hasn't changed. And most people rejected him when he was here. If Jesus was in America in 2023, many of those who believed on him would be casual and careless about their discipleship. And some would be completely dedicated and sold out to him. Say, so how do you know that? Because people haven't changed and Jesus hasn't changed and that's where his disciples were in the days of the New Testament. Some applications and observations about God being immutable. Here's number one. Because God is immutable, when someone seeks mercy and grace in Christ, it's still available today. Because God is immutable, when someone seeks mercy and grace from Christ, it's still available today. And let's read the familiar conversion story of Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That's the prick of the ox goad. An ox goad used to have one end that had a little shovel on it, and the other hand had a Point. And if you were a farmer using oxen, you would use the shovel part to clean the plow, plow and you would use the little point to poke the ox in the backside. Paul had been being poked in the heart by the Spirit of God. Jesus says, hard for you to kick against that. 
verse 6, he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have me do? The Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and shall be told thee what thou must do. You know, when we think about sin, uh, I don't think any of us could probably think of anything that might be a bigger sin than killing and persecuting Christian people on pur- purpose. I mean, Paul was breathing out slaughter against the people of God. That's who Saul was. He hurt men, women, children, and families in his misguided zeal for God and defiance of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you and I don't really grasp the depth of this offense, Jesus makes sure in verse 4, he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? When Jesus makes sure that we understand that when you do something to the people of God, you are hurting Jesus. By the way, that ought to motivate everybody here to treat everybody a little better, amen? But understand, even a sinner like Paul, who humbled himself before Christ, found mercy, forgiveness, and cleansing from God. Listen, think about it. I bet there were a lot of people who refused to forgive Paul. There were people, I'm sure, because people haven't changed, they were hoping Paul would never be saved. They were hoping that Paul would bust hell wide open when he closed his eyes in life. But I want to tell you, Paul, even though he breathed out slaughter against God's people, found mercy and grace with God. I'm sure Paul struggled to forgive himself. I mean, what do you suppose he thought when he visited some church and there was some widow and he knew that he was the one who had executed, voted to execute that husband? I'm sure when he went to churches there were children sitting there and Paul looked at them and knew that he was the one who made them fatherless. I'm sure he had a terrible time figuring out a way to find the mercy and grace of God so that he could forgive himself. But understand, though people wouldn't have forgiven him and he struggled to forgive himself, God forgave him in Christ for everything he had done. And though Paul's salvation experience is a bit unique because God had a special plan for his life, what is not unique about his salvation is that he sought mercy and forgiveness from God and he found it. Listen, this morning, if you would turn to Christ from whatever you're doing, you would find mercy with the Lord. Don't wait to be knocked to the ground by a bright light. Don't wait and think that you're going to see the resurrected Christ in in glory. Uh, This morning, if you would humble yourself to call upon the Lord, he would save you because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, if you're here and you're not a presumptive sinner like Paul was, willfully and presumptuously defying the commands of God, if, if that's not you, you still need to be saved because of your pride. You still need to be saved because you're a liar. You still need to be saved because you're a thief. You still need to be saved because you're a blasphemer. But because God hasn't changed, he'll save you. Maybe you're here and you are a presumptive sinner. You have willfully rebelled and done defiant things that you knew were wrong against God, your creator. And I want to tell you this morning that just like Paul, if you would humble yourself to call upon Christ and humbly turn to him and repent, 
he'd forgive you and save you. Are you saved? Do you have a born-again experience? You can go back and know this was the moment I called upon the Lord and Christ changed my heart. If you don't know that for sure, you can know. And in a few moments when we give an invitation, I hope you will humbly come and turn to the Lord Jesus. But this morning, it's not just that because God is immutable, anyone who comes to Christ today can find mercy and forgiveness. Here's the second thing, number two. Because God is immutable, everything he promised and everything he warned mankind about, they are still valid today. You know, people are sometimes lulled to sleep on the promises and warnings of God because God's payday does not come every two weeks. Listen, because God is immutable, everything he promised and everything he warned us about will come to pass. When Jesus said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Understand that if you come to the Lord today, he will never cast you out because that promise is just as good today as when he spoke it 2,000 years ago. When Jesus said, if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Understand that if you refuse to turn to the Lord Jesus as Christ and Son of God, understand if you go through life that way, just like when Jesus said it, you will die in your sins. Because the promises and warnings of God are just as applicable today as the day they were spoken. You can pick the promise or you can pick the warning and every one of them are just as certain as God himself. He hasn't changed his mind on anything he promised. He has not changed his mind about anything he warned us about. He will never change. God is immutable. By the way, that ought to remind all of us that we ought to familiarize ourselves with the promises and warnings of God. If all those promises are still good and all those warnings are still valid, Ought you and I not to take the time and make the effort to find out what God has promised and what he has warned us about? Listen, there's a good reason that the Bible is just as true today as when it was written. There's a good reason every spade of the archaeologist and every scientific discovery has confirmed what is written in this book rather than proving it to be false. You know, I think we got a pretty good idea today that the earth is not sitting on a turtle. On the other hand, everything we learn about DNA shows because of its complexity and design, and we've even recently learned there really is nothing called junk DNA, just junky people who think they know everything. Everything points to the fact that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and that God took the soil, the dust of the ground, and formed man and breathed in his nostrils a breath of life. And man became a living soul because God is the creator. Every technological advancement has confirmed the fallen nature of man, just like the Bible teaches. You realize that we think we know so much and we think that we're so much different because we have an iPhone 14 and because we understand how Wi-Fi works and because we have access through Google to all kinds of heretical teachings on the internet. We think we're so smart and so wise. Do you realize it has not changed the nature of man a bit? 
Instead of breaking in the back door of somebody's hut, you're stealing information online. The heart of man is desperately wicked, is deceitful above all things, and who can know it? And that's why God says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. I try the reins. Technology has not fixed man. And the Bible is an immutable book because it comes from an immutable God. The Lord who gave it never changes. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me ask you this morning, have you made any effort to learn or claim any of the great immutable promises of God? Did you know that God promised to give believing people whatsoever we ask in Christ's name when we ask according to his will? Did you know that God promised never to leave or forsake anyone when they've come to Christ? Did you know that God promised never to tempt us above that we're able, but will always with the temptation make a way to escape that we can bear it? Did you know that God promised that Jesus Christ would reign again on the earth? (laughs) Did you know God promised that Israel would one day be converted as a nation? That one day, after many of them, millions of them will die in the great tribulation, that many of them will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as Son of God and Messiah. Have you made any effort to learn and claim the great promises of the immutable God to us, to you? Have you made any effort to learn and heed the solemn warnings of the immutable God to us? Did you know that God warned that if we regard iniquity in our heart, that he will not hear us? Did you know that God warned that the prayers of husbands are hindered if they do not honor their wife? Did you know that God warned that the wicked would be turned into hell and all nations that forget God? Did you know that God warned that it is appointed unto men once to die and after this, the judgment? Have you made any effort to learn these wonderful promises and wonderfully clear and solemn warnings from the immutable God. By the way, it's a great privilege to have an immutable God who has made immutable promises and immutable warnings so that our life could be better. But understand this morning, it is not just that the promises and warnings of God are still applicable today because we have an immutable creator. Lastly, this morning, please go back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Say, good, I'm glad you're on lastly, and we got 15 minutes to go. That doesn't mean we're getting done early. I will land the plane. I'm not going to keep circling the runway, but I'm not near the runway yet. Lastly, this morning, number three, because God is immutable, one of the valuable character qualities for you and I to build and to teach is consistency. Because God is immutable, one of the valuable character qualities for us to build and teach is consistency. Kind of interesting, there are a lot of warnings in the Bible. One of the warnings is about a strange woman. And when the Bible warns about a strange woman, it doesn't mean that she's weird. It means this is a woman 
other than your wife. And much of the Proverbs is geared as a wise father, a wise parent, trying to teach their children to be wise in life and or the instruction of our Heavenly Father to us as His children on how to be wise. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, Her steps take hold on hell. Here it is. Lest thou should ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Did you see the quality of this strange woman whose end is more bitter than wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword? Did you see the quality of her? Her ways, in verse 6, are movable that thou canst not know them. See, another practical word to describe immutability is consistency. God is the same all the time. He is consistent. And those of us who would be godly, we are trying to build consistency into our own character and into the character of our children and grandchildren because when we do that, it makes us more like our God. Immutability, not changing over time, not changing with circumstances, not changing depending on the audience, consistent in who we are and how we respond or choose not to respond because in doing that, we become more like our God. Hear me when I say this. One of the worst things you can do if you are a believer in Jesus is be different in your home than you seem to be here in the church is literally one of the most destructive things you can do to your children. You may be duped into thinking that your mood and ideas and standards changing all the time is attractive, but not to God. In fact, it's not attractive to sensible people either. Sensible people value consistency. You see, you couldn't tell what this strange woman would be doing because her ways are movable. You cannot tell what she will be doing, what she's thinking, what she's feeling next, her path, because she is inconsistent. And though inconsistency may appear exciting early in a relationship, it ruins any long-term relationships. Hear me, because consistency is the fertile ground on which trust is planted and built. Consistency is the fertile ground on which trust is planted and grows and is built. Hear me. Consistency is one of the things that gives security to your spouse. Consistency is one of the things that gives security to your children. Consistency is one of the things that gives anybody that looks to you security. And it makes us more like God. Now, I'm sure there are people here this morning, and if someone described you, and you may even describe yourself this way, you have huge mood swings, you have huge attitude swings, you have huge behavioral swings. 
can I just say, that's really unattractive. And it hurts everyone who is close to you. Did you hear me? That movableness, that inconsistency, keeps trust from being built. You will never have healthy key relationships unless you strive by the grace of God to build more consistency in your character. Are you movable? Are you doing what you need to do to build more and more consistency into your character? Or are you excusing your inconsistency? Remember, consistency is something we build. It is not something we are born with. Are you growing to build more consistency into your life and into your character? Remember, no one is born with this. Every one of us here, if there is going to be consistency in our character, consistency in our attitude, consistency in our mood, consistency in our faith, it is something we are going to have to build rather than something we are born with. Will you choose to build it? Because the more consistency you build, the more you can be trusted and the more security you give to those in your life. You know what we really need to do if you're here and a believer in Jesus? We need to find the way God says to be right and just decide to walk in it and keep walking in it. Are you trying to do that? I'm talking about being consistent in our beliefs and how we apply them. You know, I would to God that people would just keep their mouths shut until they know more. I couldn't tell you over the years how many people I've known and for two or three years they're really into this and then for two or three years they're really into that and for two or three years they're really into this and what they leave behind them is this trail of people whose trust had been betrayed. Can can I just say, you're not ready for leadership of any sort until you have become established in what the Word of God teaches and what it doesn't teach. And I'll just say amen there. Not only consistency in our belief, how about consistency in our attitude? Do do you really think that Jesus was hard to approach before he had his first cup of coffee? Do, do, Do you really think at the end of a difficult day that you say, I'm not gonna ask, not tonight. Do you really think Jesus ever snapped at anybody? I'm not implying that any of us ever become perfectly consistent like our God and Savior. I am implying that we need to value consistency and begin to build as much of it in our life as possible because it is the fertile ground on which trust is planted and built and grows. I'm talking consistency in our beliefs, consistency in our attitude, How about consistency in how we treat other people? You ever know somebody that one day they're just warm and and, and you love to be around them and the next day you're like, I don't want to talk to them today. I hope that's not you. And if it is, I hope by the grace of God you'll say, you know what? I need to begin to value consistency. Because it is a quality of godliness. And because I want the people in the circle of my life to be able to trust me. 
consistency is built. Now, I, I, I realize n- none of us are perfectly consistent. My hand's up. I'm not perfectly consistent. But I try to be. And when I'm not, I don't say, eh, well, that's the way I am. You should have seen my mama. And compared to her, I'm doing great. Good. <laughs> Good. Listen, I do not believe that rising above your parents' economic lifestyle is a goal. I do believe rising above however you were raised to be more like God wanted you to be, I do believe that's a good goal. Because the more consistency and immutability we build in our walk, the more security we give to those who are close to us. Listen, every one of us wants to give that to the people in our life. Are you providing security through your consistency? Or are you creating turmoil because of your lack of consistency in your life and faith? Are you seeking grace from God to become more consistent, dependable, immutable in who you are and what you do? Are you seeking to understand what God has said, striving to consistently be and do that as best you can? There should be a slide. Could you stick that slide up there if you would? Uh, Michael Bloomberg was a mayor of New York City between 2002 and 2013. When he was mayor, he put this sign uh, on the Narrows Bridge in 2004 as you were leaving the city. Uh, The phrase, forget about it, it's not a place. It is a word that is common in New York City and parts of New Jersey. In fact, it's added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2016, when I typed that word in my notes, the spell checker did not send it back. It's in the spell checker. It just means unlikely or undesirable. For instance, if you go to New York City and you're hoping to find a cheap cab come right away, some local would say, forget about it. I hope this morning you understand that when it comes to any of the promises and warnings from Jehovah, our creator, he will not forget about any of them because he is immutable. He has not changed. He's not changed his mind about anything good he promised. He has not changed his mind about anything about which he has warned us. Let me ask you this morning, you can take the slide down. Have you turned to the immutable God for salvation and forgiveness? He he hasn't changed. When Jesus looked out at the crowd that day, he would look out at you today and say the same thing. He would say, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. He would invite you humbly come to him. Have you learned the immutable promises and warnings from the immutable God? So you can be benefited by them and warned by them, or or do you just kind of take that stuff for granted? Are you trying to build as much consistency as possible? Listen, I get it. As human beings, it is impossible to be perfectly consistent, but sincerely trying to be consistent and failing 
is very different from just overlooking it or considering your inconsistency an attractive quality. If that's you, would you confess that to the immutable God who's faithful and just to forgive us? If you quietly stand this morning.